Welcome to the 46th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Habit Podcast with your host, Brent Hershey, and me, Chris Blessing. This is our last podcast of the regular season since every league, AA or below, have ended their regular season. We have a great show for you this week as we empty out our scouting notebooks. Brent, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right on this Monday evening. Um, yeah, it'll be fun doing the last uh, regular show of the year. And like you said, uh, trying to kind of catch up with a bunch of, uh, you know, maybe a little bit less in depth look of, of, uh, a list of uh, longer players, uh, which will be, I think, fun to get to. Uh, how are you this Monday, Chris? I'm peaching. I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. Um, I'm a little bit tired right now. Uh, probably because I stayed up till 3am twice this weekend. Uh, once, uh, once because of uh, something that happened after the uh, game I scouted, I, I witnessed an accident and just couldn't really get the adrenaline out of that um, down. And then and then on Saturday night, I watched the Arizona Wildcat football team, which is my team, um, yeah. and they didn't start till 11 o'clock Eastern time. So it was uh, it was pretty rough. So I'm feeling it right now, and hopefully this little punch, I just got some, uh, some food in me and drinking some water, hopefully – I'll wake up soon. So yeah, we need um, we need a juice. We need a juice yes. from you this this week. I agree. I agree because I've got a good bunch of guys just like you to cover. So yeah. um, well, good news. Uh, last week, Arizona fall league rosters were released, which is always fun. Given that first pitch Arizona takes place during the fall league, the first uh-huh. uh, weekend of November. Um, I'm especially right. excited uh, this year. To see Cardinals prospect Jordan Walker, who I haven't seen in person since February of 2020, which was right before the pandemic. I actually scouted him for an organization uh, during a uh, showcase. Uh, uh, it was a high school game, but it was a showcase. There was, he played three games, and uh, he was playing for Decatur. So I haven't seen him in person since high school, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Brent, who are you most looking forward to seeing? I I would agree that I uh, I, I saw Walker take some at bats at the Futures game and that's kind of the you know the biggest name I think that's out there and I'm interested to see him kind of in a regular game setting but I'm also excited to see uh, Jordan Lawler the shortstop for the Diamondbacks uh, who um, you know was has had a fantastic season um, he's also a, a high up on the list and um, looking forward to among some other guys but that's the most one. I think is kind of, you know, getting, getting to see again, these guys in kind of game more com- competitive game settings uh, more than just a couple of bats at the, the futures game or something like that. Um, I noticed that, you know, once again, the sort of the lack of big name pitchers, uh, you know, kind of continues to be a theme of the fall league. Are you surprised by the lack of pitchers or are you kind of used to it by now? Part of me is, uh, part of me is not. Um, the part of me that is, is looking at all the pitchers that were hurt this year um, and know. figuring that guys would need innings like Grayson Rodriguez or Daniel Espino or somebody who's been gone for the whole year like Matt Allen of the New York Mets. Uh, so yeah. I'm kind of surprised that we didn't see any of these guys uh at the fall league. Of course, we have Quinn Priester who, you know, missed some time this year. And then Kumar Rocker only threw what, two or three games, um, uh, leading up to the draft. So it would be, it will be really interesting to see Kumar Rocker. And I would assume that he might be an arm that sticks the entire time. Cause that's, that's the problem. Um, when we get to first pitch Arizona specifically, it's the second to last week of the regular season. So there's yeah. a chance that some of these pitchers may be shut down by then, but who knows, maybe a pitcher or two gets added to the roster late and um, maybe we'll yeah. have something to really look at. Um, Brent, do you have anything to add about uh, the pitching in the fall league? No, I think just just being aware of that context when we go uh, to get out there and kind of uh, do some, uh, you know, do some semi-evaluations just to keep in the back of our minds that the, the pitching as a whole in that league is always, uh, you know, is always down. So the, the, fit, the hitters, the hitting uh, that we see 
um, you know, we just kind of need to uh, adjust for that. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked about that uh, in the past, um, both at the Fall League uh, specifically. Um, but it, I'm definitely looking forward to the weekend. It's, it doesn't take away from it at all. Yeah. It's such a, a great time um, at the conference and, and having the three or four ball games as part of that. Um, and if you're able to stay a t- bring it, come out a day or two ahead or stay a day or two after, you can kind of get some additional games in and uh, it's just really a fun time. So we're yeah. uh, definitely, definitely looking, uh, looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully, hopefully later this week we'll have uh, kind of a first pass of the schedule with some of the, uh, some of the activities yeah. and panels and whatnot for that. I was, yeah, I was, I was looking actually at the um, uh, MLBA today from last year, a minor league baseball analyst, our book, oh. uh, which we'll talk about. At, uh, we're going to have another podcast after this uh, sometime in November. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I was looking last year, I actually wrote the article for the first year on the AFL and I only looked at sleepers. Uh, we used to do risers and fallers and uh, felt last year that sleepers made more sense just because, mm-hmm. uh, again, you could have said any of the pitchers were fallers last year. Um, so it was not really, a, again, a good year for pitching. And, you know, uh, one of the guys we focused on was uh, Juan Yepes of the Cardinals. Uh, he was a guy that that made the mm-hmm. list, but actually two pitchers made the list. Uh, one um, who's been climbing up prospect uh, um, charts this year, Owen White of the Rangers. And then also uh, uh, Caleb Killian, who made his major league debut with the Cubs this year. Um, yep. So, like, there's, there's, it's not completely black holes. And, and like, I'll be honest, going into the fall league last year, I had neither of them circled as guys that I thought would be, you know, separating themselves uh, from the competition, especially Yippis, who, you know, I, I actually saw when he was with the Rome Braves and looked completely different, uh, much different mm-hmm. body now. So, like, uh, you just never know. You might you might find a surprise out there. We said we have a lot of live looks, so we're going to get to it really quickly um, in our show today. Um, we're not going to go quickly, but we're going to go faster than usual. I mean, last week I think we did like twenty five minutes on Andrew Painter, uh, so which which we planned on. Don't don't get us wrong. We we planned on that. We wanted to really talk about Painter since we both had views on them. So th- these guys are either we got one game looks at them um, either recently or, you know, there's one guy on here, uh, Brent, that I've gotten several looks at that I just never got to. And it dawned on me today. I've never talked about uh, this particular prospect. But anyway, Brent, you got to go out and catch um, some low or some high A playoff action last week, and yeah, which was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool because you got to see a organization and a team that we really haven't covered uh, in person this year, and that's the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones, which is the Mets' um, high affiliate. So uh, the first name on this list is somebody from that game, and uh, it's an outfielder, a, qu- a quick twitch outfielder uh, named Alex Ramirez. Uh, can you tell us what you uh, what you got out of Ramirez in your look? Yeah, um, he was really um, definitely. Interesting. Uh, just from a total, kind of a total tools perspective, um, he's six three, uh, one seventy, right-handed hitting outfielder. Uh, like you said, he's you know he's got a lean body, uh, long kind of loose levers. Uh, quick twitch is a is a great way to put it. Um, he's just nineteen years old. He's playing in high A. He split um, split his year pretty evenly between uh, low A St. Lucie and and high A this year. Um, but, uh, was really impressed by, uh, his at least plus kind of bat speed. Um, and, you know, watching him take BP and then in the game, um, you know, has kind of a noisy setup with a, with a big sort of bat wrap, but he's one of these guys that just, you know, gets the barrel to the zone kind of right on time. Um, and it's just, you know, the kind of sort of explosiveness from the bat that you really, you really look for, um, and the BP took, you know, some big majestic swings, kind of, you know, big uppercut swings. Um, and in the game, he had uh, didn't didn't have any hits, but had two really solid contacts. I mean, the, the balls that, uh, you know, we kind of talk about them as major league fly balls. I mean, really solidly hit, uh, turned into outs, but give you a sense of uh, the fact that he's really barreling up the ball. 
Um, there was a couple times in the in the game where he you know struggled some with breaking balls, but again, he's 19 years old at high A, uh, so the competition's a lot older for him. Um, uh, he plays center field uh, and has I got some I got an okay run time on him uh, first to home, uh, nothing too special, and unfortunately didn't really see him uh, didn't see him challenged defensively uh, in the outfield, but has again kind of the look and sort of the tool set you would look for, for, uh, uh, you know, an explosive center fielder. Um, and then, you know, and then his year to date numbers, again, 121 games, he hit, you know, has hit 281 with 346 on base, 436 slug, uh, 11 homers with 30 doubles and 21 steals. He, you know, has been caught a bunch of times there, um, two caught yeah. 16 times stealing. Um, but, uh, again, kind of, you know, certainly needs some, Need some polish, but uh, someone that definitely, when you uh, go to the field and and see him perform, the you know just the tools um, and kind of that potential upside definitely stand out. I I really thought that he'd have more home runs, but you know he's been at St. Lucie this year. Uh, he spent sixty seven games at St. Lucie. St. Lucie's a very uh, and that whole Florida State League is very hard on power. Um, yeah. and yeah. that was a repeat for him. He actually was the youngest. Uh, player in low a last year uh with saint lucy uh and held his own wasn't great by any means uh but you could see the maturation just in the stat line where uh you know he yeah. cut down his strikes uh, strikeouts uh and it's very obvious that he's um beginning to get into game power um and yeah. that, that's one of the things that uh, you know you look at a guy and you see okay he only has 11 home runs and we're talking about a guy that with uh, great power potential. It's obvious that he's going to have to clean up his swing mechanics some um, to get there. Um, but like this, this is a very uh, of the Mets lower minor prospects that weren't in this last draft. He's probably the lone one that's really anybody's really excited about. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, this was a great get for you. Um, uh, and you didn't get to see him, of course, uh, challenge in center field, but he does uh, have the rep as somebody who will be able to handle that position it might be above average uh, speed, um, but but still, like we're we're talking about a kid that um, will eventually probably have the power to play one of the corner positions and could actually be a right fielder uh, with his arm ability. Um, you know, watching him in batting practice, one one of my favorite things to do, um, is, and I don't get to do it as often as I want, is to really kind of just bear down on somebody uh, during BP. And you know, you had an opportunity to to watch him. Um, I'm curious, uh, was most of the power to the pull side or was he spraying the ball some? Uh, it was, it was pretty much, uh, it was, he was spraying the ball some, um, he, you know, the, his longest shots were to the pull side, but, uh, there was some center field and some kind of right center field, uh, punch there too. Um, and I, I noticed, uh, I think it might've been in, in the MLB right up last year MLBA right up last year uh that you mentioned that it was a lot of a lot of pull side power at that time um i didn't uh you know i didn't necessarily make a chart or keep track or anything yeah, of course um but from what i can remember it it was definitely it, it was more than just your uh typical kind of uh rip it and 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 you know fly open uh and bring it to the pull side kind of power from Ramirez, which is, uh, I think, you know, uh, uh, at least a step forward, uh, if that's the case. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, of course, have him for MLBA again this year. I'll probably throw an 8C or 8D on him just because um, I, I don't believe that there's that 9 coming. Do you uh, think that there's a 9 possibility with this with this sort of setup at this point? Yes, he's a twitchy athlete, but it's not like premium speed to really kind of you know, cover anything uh, beyond what what an eight would get to, right? Uh, I think that yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, that's probably where I would where I would land if I was uh, if I had the Mets, for instance. Um, yeah. a lot, you know, a lot of a lot of good things to like. I mean, the I guess the one thing is that he is so young yet. Um, you know, maybe he, you know, maybe he goes to Double A. They let him marinate there for a year. Um, he continues to get stronger. You know, uh, perhaps there's perhaps there's another level there, but I think most most realistically, yes, he's probably 
you know, kind of an above average regular, but might fall short of kind of the star power. Well, that was awesome, man. Um, I'm jealous of that. I was actually rooting for uh, Rome to win and Brooklyn to win, so I'd be able to see Mm -hmm. them uh, in the playoffs. But unfortunately, it's Bowling Green versus Aberdeen. Uh, which yeah. unfortunately I'm three and a half hours away from Bowling Green, and it's a it's a team that I feel like I've seen way too many times this year already. Uh, good 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 team, but but just there's not much more for me to cover there. So um, yeah. was a little sad, but you know season had to end at some point, right, Brent? That's right. Yep. Um, let's move on to somebody you saw and uh, someone that was involved in the uh, trade deadline this year. And actually it's someone that I saw last year in the Phillies organization. And that's Ben Brown, right-handed pitcher uh, that went to the Cubs in the trade for uh, brought David Robertson over to the Phillies. Uh, Again, I have some, uh, some, uh, some notes from seeing Brown early in 2021 uh, at high A when he was with the Jersey Shore club, but I'm really interested to see uh, he certainly had, uh, you know, has has made strides uh, this year uh, from that. And so I'm interested to hear in your report on uh, what you got out of Ben Brown from the Cubs. He was very raw. I think that was the one thing that I uh, that stood out to me for somebody who's, you know, 20, what, 21 now, 22. He's 22 now. Um uh, I might have, yeah, I saw him when he was 22. Uh, he just turned 22. So, um, but a guy that I really look at as somebody who's extremely raw. He was a Phillies uh, draft pick, uh, 33rd rounder out of uh, out of a high school in New York. So, um, and I, I feel like there's been other major leaguers out of Ward Melville High School. So, um, you know, they do have a pedigree there. I almost want to say that it was. Uh, Stephen Matz, and I'm, I, you know something, I'm going to check that out because I, I'm, you know, certain certain guys uh, just, uh, yes, I am correct. It was Stephen Matz. That, I'm, wow, that's crazy. Um, but anyway, Ben Brown is probably needs to be developed a little more. Uh, he's a kid that is going to have to be protected uh, this year. So, uh, you know, and, and honestly, a kid that I was a little bit um, curious is, you know, I thought he might end up in the AFL this year. I know he's thrown 104 innings, but I thought that there was a chance that he'd end up there. Um, just because, again, this kid hasn't thrown many professional innings. I mean, combined um, over um, since 2017 until this season, he didn't have – he had 100, in, 100 innings total. So, like, uh, yeah. he doubled it in one season. So, uh, this kid was very athletic to root delivery. Uh, long crossfire delivery, six foot six, and uses his extension extremely well. It's a three quarters, uh, three quarters slot, sometimes high three quarter slot. Uh, he again uses his length very well, good extension, um, and and you can see the athleticism. You can see him, the making of a guy that's going to repeat his delivery. But it's at the point right now that he doesn't necessarily repeat his delivery. And in the game I saw him, he looked dominant at times and at other times could not find the zone at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Sat 94, 96, uh, topped out at 97 on my gun with a high riding fastball uh, with a pretty wicked arm side run action. It was pretty unhittable up. Uh, he, he dominated Matt McLean uh, with the fastball, heavy fastball uh, in uh, McLean couldn't do a thing. That's the Reds prospect uh, who's had some swing and miss issues this year specifically on that fastball up. Uh, but, I mean, this was the worst, uh, some of the worst swings I've seen from uh, McLean. And, and it, it was more on Ben Brown being dominant than, than McLean being um, overmatched. He was overmatched. Uh, the fastball, again, the command is kind of, you know, a bit sideways. Uh, and that was the thing. He, I think, it only lasted four innings, and a lot of that was because he had to use a lot of pitches. Um, and when he did throw the fastball um, and he did get it up, everybody swung through it if it was in the zone. Um, it, it was that dominant. Um, even even uh, Eli, Eli De La Cruz did too. So, um, And it was a really good lineup. It was a good um, lineup, and we're going to talk about two other guys in that lineup too. 
Um, the the lookouts, uh, even though they can't pitch, uh, have it had a very great lineup at the end of the year. And by the way, this was a five hour plus game. Um, this was this was atrocious. Oof. Uh, to wow. sit through, and honestly, Ben Brown was one of the reasons why it went five hours. It did go to extra innings too, but like uh, Ben, Ben just took his sweet time. Um, two breaking pitches, uh, and it didn't really seem like he had a feel for his curveball. But the curveball is actually considered the better of the two pitches. Um, uh, curveball is a twelve to six breaker. It's about eighty three to eighty six. Um, so it's a hard curveball. Um, it, it's more of a downward mover um, than his slider, which is in like the 85-88 range, which is more of a gyro spinner. Uh, and um, what, what's significant about that curveball, uh, and I went back and looked at video because I was a bit disappointed. And, and I also wanted to see if I might have saw sliders that were curveballs. And sometimes, yes, they did mix. And there was probably some sliders that were actually curveballs and vice versa. But uh, the curveball is pretty definite. It, it, um, definite uh, change between the slider. Slider, like I said, has the, the gyro spin. Uh, and sometimes he'll cut it as well, like a cut fastball. Um, usually it's the higher velocities, 88, 89, maybe even 90 miles per hour. And he threw like two of them in this in this appearance that I think got um, got listed as sliders. But when I went back and watched the video, because I can watch the video of these games now, um, you could tell that, yeah, it was probably a cutter, not necessarily a slider. Um, but the curveball has uh, a very late dive in action. Um, he tried to actually get De La Cruz out on them. Um, he dominated De La Cruz with uh, breaker after breaker after breaker. Uh, and, and, you know, I know that we've talked about it at nauseum, uh, but De La Cruz needs to come back to double-A next year because he needs to work on his breaking pitch um, recognition. Uh, It's the way to get him out. Uh, That boy um, loves fastballs. I mean, he hit, he was over three going into the seventh inning and had four hits um, by the end of the game. Granted it went 15 innings, but um, he missed the whole, he he had a double, two singles and a a triple. He didn't get a home run. He almost got a cycle after going over three in the first seven innings. Um, uh, Just an amazing guy. Uh, but again, this is this is a picture, and I um, and for our listeners, go go on Twitter. I've I've basically took multiple at bats and strung them together. I, um, of of Brown. Um, I, I don't normally get to do that, but the the seat was open in the front of the section, and I just took advantage of it. Um, it, it's nasty movement, and you'll see a selection. You'll see a selection of pitches that are just absolute uh, nastiness. Um, so right now. The next step for Brown is probably getting, um, you know, they're going to try to hone him in a bit. Um, it's obvious that the spin, uh, the spin's going to work. The spin's going to play. The fastball's going to play. Like this whole package is going to play. It just needs strikes. So being an older kid, they might have to rush him a bit, meaning that uh, maybe he doesn't get to the starting outcome and maybe he's a relief pitcher. And I think that's what's holding him back right now is his uh, role. It's hard to figure out what role he's going to be. But I think that there's a very good chance if he can improve some of his strike throwing abilities, that at worst, he's a later inning reliever, a uh, reliever with a lot of strikeout potential. Because I, I don't see major league hitters hitting uh, hitting his stuff. Um, and then as for starting pitching, it's, you know, this would be a guy I would call an 8D. And I don't normally call an older kid at um, at this level an 8D. Um, but that's how raw he is. He's, he's, he's just behind the eight ball compared to where he should yeah. be at this point in yeah. um, his, his development. But like you saw him last year, um, I'm, I'm probably not even explaining the same picture other than the athletic delivery and maybe the long limbs. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, physically that's, that's what I have down, you know, long limb guy with a big, uh, torso turn kind of going crossfire. Um, I, it's interesting that, uh, all of the, that he definitely added, uh, velocity over the past year, um, you know, in kind of taking these steps forward. I had him 92, 94 with a fastball. The curveball was, you know, more a standard mid seventies kind of thing. Uh, and the slider was low eighties and, and it sounds like he added velocity, um, to all those. So, so that part is different, certainly, and, and I knew he had made strides uh, on that front. The thing that's the same is that, uh, you know, you talked about 
kind of the wavering sort of fastball command and kind of the inconsistency from uh, from innings to innings. So I, in this outing, um, you know, in the first inning gave up uh, a couple runners, including a two-run homer, um, you know, got uh, walked a guy kind of in the first inning, then went and shut down the next, put down the next seven guys in a row. Uh, and then in the fourth inning, you know, it was a single walk, strikeout single and he was out like tons of tons of pitches in there um whereas you know where he went through kind of uh innings two and three like you know like nothing with on you know with 12 12 pitch innings basically um so it's interesting even though the stuff has ticked up some of that uh inconsistency which again is going to be like you said you know really important to whether he comes out as a uh, you know, whether he makes it to the majors as a starter or a reliever, uh, that, that was, that's still there. So, uh, good stuff on, on Ben Brandon. Yeah, I'll throw out another thing. There was a, there was a tweet when he got, uh, traded, uh, Lance, uh, Brostowski of, uh, Marquee Sports, which, uh, huh? for the Cub fans out there, you guys are probably familiar with Lance. Uh, Lance was huh? a, uh, uh, worked for Driveline. He was also with Prospects Live, uh, Never got a chance to meet him, and I was just uh, I, we were actually covering the same game at one time, and just never got to get past. But but Lance is one of those guys that's probably uh, in, in the prospect sphere, one of the smarter uh, with tech and that sort of thing. And um, you know the fastball he he illustrates in this tweet on August second uh, that the fastball slider and curveball really kind of become distinctive. Uh, but you know using that stuff plus metric uh, through driveline. Uh, we got a guy averaging fastball 95 miles per hour with a 126 stuff plus. So this is a significant dude right here. Um, uh, you know, let's get some more control. Uh, but like this, this could really be a, um, you know, potential to be a frontline front starter if it all kind of comes together. But like more than likely, it's probably going to be a reliever outcome. So, um, you know, a great person to uh, keep an eye on, a guy that, uh, would be worth an ad in certain formats. Yeah. Well, Brian, sure. yeah. you've got a uh, guy that I've, he's kind of a unicorn because of some of the health problems that he's dealt with that haven't really necessarily been baseball related. Uh, but he was the first round pick for the Orioles several years ago. Um, Heston yeah. Kerstad, uh, the outfielder, um, you know, very good uh, college uh, player, but um, you got to see him in your look uh, at Aberdeen, correct? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, like you said, it was I was uh, interested to see him. He was the second overall pick in 2020, um, you know, and then missed obviously all of 2020, but then uh, also all of 2021 um, and a good portion of uh, the first half of this year with a hamstring uh, injury. So he's, you know, he's a little older because he was a college guy uh, drafted out of uh, Arkansas. So he's 23. He's got some time to make up um, and uh, was finally healthy enough. And uh, I got a, a quick look at him in July in one game uh, at Aberdeen. And then also uh, last week in this, uh, in this playoff game against Brooklyn. Um, overall, uh, I was impressed. I was pretty impressed. Uh, he's a long, lean kind of uh, athlete, 6'3", 205. I mean, he definitely looks the part physically. Um, there's In the box, there's kind of lots of, you know, a decent amount of pre-pitch movement. Um, it, when I saw him in July, it was one of his first games uh, kind of back at high A. I think he was at the, at, uh, the comp, or no, at Delmarva. Uh, for several games, and then they and then they moved him up. And he definitely looked he definitely looked raw there, and or rusty, I should say, more than raw, uh, which is of course to you know certainly understood given um, this myocarditis that uh, he was uh, diagnosed with shortly after the draft in 2020 that that uh, kept him out all for uh, 2021. But then uh, last week he definitely looked more comfortable at the plate. Um, you know, the numbers say he's kind of still adjusting, but he has, uh, you know, showed good strike zone knowledge, uh, kind of will take a walk. Um, his, his swings definitely look better. Again, left, left-handed hitter, uh, pulled a hard double into the right hand, into the right field corner. Um, took a, uh, really nice, uh, two, two Oh swing, 
uh, and uh, you know got a uh, got a good part of the bat on a uh, long fly out the center. Um, just just DH the both times that I had seen him. Um, and again, there's you know there's a it's it's really a unique situation because he missed so much time. Um, but on the other hand, you know he was at a high kind of a high level college program. Uh, I think he. You know, yeah, probably so University had a, of Arkansas. He was a hollow. Yeah, yeah. So and probably has a decent chance, especially how the Orioles, you know, have kind of pushed a lot of these guys, especially the ones that are well developed. I I would think he'll probably start at Double A uh, next year. And um, you know, while I think the pick itself was kind of, uh, you know, a little bit a little bit surprising that he went quite that high, if I remember. Um, I, you know, he's kind of fits that mold of a, of a, um, of a developed kind of college, uh, hitter that, uh, the O's have gone after kind of early here in these past couple of drafts. So I'm, uh, interested, certainly didn't get a long look at, uh, Kerstad, but I'm interested in following him, uh, in 2023 for sure. Yeah. You're in luck though. Uh, Kerstad is on the Arizona fall league roster. So uh, oh, that's right. I forgot get, about that. Yeah, we will get a look at him and a few of the other guys that are uh, that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we'll yeah. get a look at both of them. But I'm, again, I'm interested too. Uh, this guy hits a, checks a lot of the boxes the Orioles go for. He's second overall pick. Uh, they saved money with this pick. He wasn't second best player in that draft, that particular right. draft. But um, the, you know, this is a guy that has a history of. Uh, of loud contact and a lot of loud contact. And it was a shame to see him, you know, on the sidelines, but I'm glad that his health is good enough now that he's able to participate. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, everybody. I think that the, there's a big uh, year potentially in store for him next year. So he might be a guy that, you know, towards the end of a, you know, draft this off season, you might want to pick up or if he's a free agent right now, um, this could be a good time to pick him up and, and take a little bit of a flyer on a guy that has a history of being uh, a badass. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, certainly should be a guy too at the AFL um, that, uh, you know, sometimes you get those guys that have, have been playing for six months straight and are kind of uh, a little tuckered out by that point. Uh, but because he, uh, you know, just got started late this year, and they're certainly trying to make up for at bats. Um, that's you know, it's going to be a really important, uh, really important, uh, you know, six weeks for him out there in the desert to kind of uh, make up, make up those at bats and kind of get back in his groove. So it'll be interesting. Like you said, it'd be good to good to track him uh, out the fall league for sure. We'll move on to the next guy. Uh, was a third baseman in the Cincinnati organization, Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um, I'm not as familiar with him, but I'm sure you'll fill us in, Chris. What, uh, what can you tell us about, uh, Mr. En- Encarnacion Strand? I mean, we all agree that RBIs is not necessarily something that we, uh, we look at, uh, when we're evaluating a player. Uh, but this kid had 114, uh, RBIs oh. in 122 games. Uh, like it was a, it was a significant, uh, milestone. And I, I, can't believe almost happened that he almost had as many games as RBIs at, at that such a high thing. Um, he slashed between uh, multiple levels, multiple stops. He was in high A and he uh, was in double A for both uh, the Minnesota organization and the Reds organization. He was in the uh, Tyler uh, Melee uh, deal. Um, oh, another guy in that deal. Um, uh, splash 304, 368, 587 between all these different spots. And didn't really, was was decent in all of them. I mean, this was uh, in the Southern League, he only had an 873 OPS, but uh, that's more a, of a league that uh, isn't as offensive friendly. He's still, still slug for 522. So uh, you can see that this this uh, player, Carnassio and Strand, has a lot of power. Uh, open stance, knees bent, a bit of a uh, hitch in the load. And when I say a bit of a hitch, the more and more the game went on, the hitch got even worse. So when we talk about hitch, I know that we've mentioned this many times, but a hitch is when you drop your hands uh, when you're trying to trigger. So you're essentially, um, you know, you're you're waiting for the pitch if you're a hitter, and you go back and you're triggering back. And you have to, your path is indirect, okay? So sometimes a guy will bat wrap, 
but in this case, um, he just drops his hands completely. So uh, one of the things that I observed, and I went back and watched on video to see how he handled uh, velocity. And he was a guy that has to cheat at velocity. So the, there, there's a check mark there um, that, that needs to be put on this guy who's had an absolutely fantastic season. And, and probably a probably a guy that uh, that other fantasy writers will probably be a little higher on um, because maybe they're not as scouty as I am. Um, you know, say so they certainly beat me sometimes with, uh, you know, getting these uh, finding these guys that are, you know, high average, high power, all this stuff and have these metrics going for him. Uh, but, you know, on the scout side, you know, he's a guy that I'm a little hesitant to to really get behind. Yes, the power's big. Actually saw two of his home runs at double A. Um, he hit one in this game on a hanger. I, I joked. I was up in the press box and I joked to the track uh, track man uh, operator that, um, you know, they better not throw this kid a curveball and boom. And uh, he hit a long way. Um, it's an uppercut mm -hmm. swing. Um, most of the powers to the pull side, maybe the pull gap. Um, uh, but, um, you know, battling and stuff um, and, and, you know, kind of making up for the fact that maybe he can't get to better velocity. He is able to take some pitches the other way and stuff, but mostly on like a, you know, single double thing. The thing that worries me the most about him. And, uh, you know, in fantasy, we don't talk about fielding often, um, but fielding. Uh, this is a guy that is, ooh, I don't know where he possibly plays. Um, the, he's played first base and third base this year. Um, I've seen him at third base. My most recent look was at DH, um, which was where he looks best. And that's never a good thing when somebody looks best at DH, uh, especially with some deficiencies in their game. Um, you know, not always the best. Um, doesn't, nece doesn't necessarily have reactions for third base. Also doesn't have necessarily the footwork. Um, uh, the one thing about the lookouts at the end of the year, they were, um, they had a, a platoonish going on. Uh, some games you'd have um, Encarnacio Strand at third base, uh, De La Cruz at shortstop and McLean at second base. Some days you had De La Cruz at third base. By the way, does not look at a third base. Looks much better at shortstop. Uh, and McCann at shortstop with uh, with the Encarnacion Strand at DH. And then you had sometimes that McLean was playing third base and Strand uh, Encarnacion Strand was at first base. Like it was, it was wild how they were playing those guys, and it wasn't really doing much for him. Um, I think that um, you know I know we're not talking about Matt McLean, but he's a second baseman going forward for me. Uh, De La Cruz is either going to be a shortstop or he's going to be an outfielder, and Encarnacion Strand's a third baseman only in name, if that makes sense, or first baseman only in name. I think he's a DH. I don't think. He has the athletic ability to um, to really transition to the outfield, even to left field. I'm, I, I'm really concerned about that, to be honest. Um, you know, you got a team, you got a team that has acquired a lot of guys that have multiple positions and maybe not one great position. So um, we'll be honest; they need as much power as they can get in Cincinnati. So you know, this is a kid that will likely get at bats, but I'm very, I'm cautioned um, to put him up in the top 100 or top 125. I think he's had a great year. I think he's checked a lot of boxes. I think his, his uh, being able to hit for power in Florida is always something that, that, you know, warms my heart when I see it. It's something that um, I put a check mark by, but this guy does strike out a lot. His uh, breaking pitch recognition is not great. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest, if he's sitting on it, he, you know, just like if he's sitting on fastball, guessing fastball, he's going to take a rip at it and he's going to hit it far, especially if it's hanging. So, um, a guy that I'm not necessarily all in on, but maybe I have a foot in and a foot out, um, which is never really that great when you're an evaluator and probably somebody that, that I'm not going to necessarily like when I, when I go and look at him during the offseason for MLBA. Um, not in the fall league, um, uh, which is not surprising. I mean, he got in 122 games and, you know, hit 114 RBIs. Who knows? In Arizona, it would probably hit, uh, probably gotten to that equal yeah. with, with the, the way offense is there. So, uh, right. But, but yeah, I mean, the Reds are sending in quite a few guys uh, to the fall league this year. Uh, Marte is one of them. McLean's one of them. Uh, Reese Hines, who we'll talk about uh, very briefly um, 
a little later is one of them too. So like they're sending a lot of guys there that um, that probably deserve uh, a better chance, especially since some of them have dealt with injury or uh, one of them, you know, come to a new organization. So um, again, uh, Encarnacio Strand, um, lots of RBIs, lots of home runs, but and, and even though the BA is high, I don't see it sustainable as it moves up uh, to AAA into the major leagues. Yeah, good info uh, yeah. on there. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, the next guy uh, a while, and you know I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on him, <clears throat> but I'm gonna take sort of an opposite track and say. Even though when you when it gets down to uh, stat time and, and you're checking out uh, this player, you might not see much there. Uh, this is a guy I've seen twice uh, in the past month or so, and that's Max Wagner, uh, a third baseman in the Orioles system, um, who was a second their second round draft pick, I think 42nd overall uh, this past year out of Clemson. And uh, I saw him in the in Low A uh, several weeks back when I went uh, down to the uh, Fredericksburg, uh, Delmarva, uh, 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 series, excuse me. And, uh, kind of, kind of stuck out there just through one game. Um, and here's a guy that's, you know, he's kind of a medium build, doesn't physically stand out six, six Oh, two fifteen. I mean, he's, he's strong, obviously there, uh, his frame is strong, not super, I wouldn't call him thick necessarily. I mean, he probably has to, uh, watch his physique a little bit. Um, big, big kind of, uh, you know, right-handed uh, stance, open uh, stance. And, you know, I, I don't have any, uh, don't have any access to kind of exit velocity numbers, but my hunch is that he does pretty well uh, with that. Uh, in the games that I saw, the, the game that I saw down there, and then um, why I bring him up here again is because uh, he was moved up to Aberdeen uh, for this playoff series, and I saw him um, in this uh, game against Brooklyn. Uh, both times, he kind of looked like you know he belonged there. Again, it's a, a guy from a high-profile college program, um, and just continued to kind of hit balls pretty hard, uh, both outs uh, that he hit as well as the hits. Um, he took a you know a, a hanging kind of uh, breaking ball down in that uh, in that Fredericksburg series and took it out to left field like beyond these billboards that were 20 to 30 feet beyond the beyond the outfield wall I mean he just uh, he just totally obliterated uh, this ball um, again he had a couple hard outs uh, in this game against Brooklyn um, and plays uh, you know plays a decent third base that I've seen so far definitely uh, repeatedly has kind of made really nice plays on balls, uh, kind, of, kind of slow rollers where he's had to come in, transfer, and kind of get a, an accurate throw uh, with some speedy runners. So I'm, it's just someone that I haven't, uh, wasn't as familiar with, uh, and I don't know that he's uh, going to be on a lot of, uh, uh, of top kind of Orioles list at, at this point so far. But he's definitely ha- has my attention, and and a lot of it is just from the contact and sort of, you know, it, the contact that he makes sort of has that sound to it, uh, where it just sounds different coming coming off the bat. So again, that's Max Wagner, third baseman uh, from Baltimore, um, has uh, you know has has some decent walk numbers, but strikes out a little bit, and I would certainly uh, would be interested to kind of follow him mm-hmm. um in as he continues to face uh good pitching to kind of get a better read on what he would be as a hitter but uh just kind of a, a one look a one look uh recommendation uh to consider the yeah. back year. yeah i mean this is a kid that went from uh not even a starting player at clemson early in the spring um, to a guy that was just hitting the tar out of the ball towards the end of the year. So, you know, a guy that, you know, I, I agree with you. He's he's a guy that is worth mentioning. I was surprised to see him drafted in the second round and thought that he would might have been like a, a, a saver type pick. Um, but they mm-hmm. paid him just a tad under slot um, when they signed him. I'm, you know, I, while you were talking, I went back and looked just to see. Yeah. 
where they might have uh, might have paid him. And like I thought he was a guy that they would get um, some decent savings. I thought he was a million dollar signing bonus, uh, given that he was a draft eligible sophomore. But um, uh, again, a guy that you know fits the Orioles uh, Orioles so team yeah. hits the ball really hard and has power potential. Yeah, um, I mean, at some point too. I mean, obviously they're they're stacked with these position players, and so there's not there's not enough room for for them all. Uh, at some point. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out, but they definitely, they definitely have a type and they definitely um, collect them. Let's move on. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned an outfielder in a Cincinnati organization, Reese Hines, um, someone uh, that I think had some draft buzz uh, when he was uh, selected a couple years ago. What can you tell us about Hines? Hines made his double-A debut um, just a couple days ago, really, not a couple days ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, um, and did nothing but hit, hit, hit throughout his uh, period of time. Granted, uh, Ben Brown did um, throw some breaking pitches, a slider, um, got him and all that good stuff. But uh, in the game I saw, uh, Hines did hit a home run. Uh, yeah, I have some concerns about Heinz, and I've always had concerns. As the Reds' farm system has gotten better, um, Heinz has kind of fallen a bit in the rankings. His performance hasn't been the greatest. Um, it's a, a closed upright swing, um, uh, hands high, uh, fairly direct um, uh, path to the hit position. Um, power, uh, power for days. I know the home run numbers so far have not uh, indicated that. Uh, but just, I mean, he looks like a ball player. And then you throw him spin, which is obviously what double-A uh, pitchers weren't throwing him on on the normal in this week or two. Um, and he just comes absolutely unglued, um, just absolutely can't can't handle it. It's It's flailing and all that kind of stuff. And this is something that's kind of uh, stuck with him since the since he made his debut in the Arizona Complex League or whatever they were calling it back then. I think it was the Arizona Summer League or, or something like that. Um, he was drafted out of Florida as a second-round pick. Um, him and uh, Tyler Callahan, another Reds prospect that's kind of dropped off, um, you know, who has no position, um, just like Christian Encarnacion and Strand, um, they, they, they kind of – they were very – I don't know scouty picks but they were kind of old school scouty picks um uh, guys that you dreamt on um callahan had an awesome hit tool but no position and Hines had a bunch of power but a lot of noise and and that's kind of what i see when i saw him in 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 my look um you know comparing him and comparing him to another reds prospect that y'all probably have not heard of alan uh serta uh who uh, is an outfielder who's kind of ranked around the same place as Hines. Um, um, Serta has really uh, struggled as the season went on in AA, and I believe Hines in that same sort of look uh, would have that same sort of struggle. So uh, just wanted to quickly get to him. I, I have two guys that are a lot better coming up. Uh, but first, we're going to get to a pitcher that Brent saw several weeks ago, and it's a right-handed pitcher from the Yankees organization, uh, formerly of the Dodgers organization, and that's Clayton Beater. What do you have on Clayton Beater? Yeah, I first saw him, it was uh, August 10th, and it was the first outing uh, for him uh, in the Yankees organization. He came over in the Joey Gallo deal, uh, where, they took, uh, where they swapped Gallo out to the Dodgers, uh, and Beater came back. Um it was it was really interesting. Uh, it was a it was a small. It was just uh, two innings pitched. He he cruised through it. Um, you know, six up, six down, four Ks there. Um, but the delivery is is really uh, I think challenging uh, to to stay as a starter. Um, you know, has a big spine tilt, kind of leans back, and then sort of a straight over the top release. Um, I, I just think it's going to be it's likely going to be difficult for him to, to continue to repeat that uh, in a way that, uh, you know, he can get through the lineup three, the two, two plus times. Um, all his pitches are kind of vertical, kind of up and down, uh, as you can kind of imagine with a release point like that. Uh, sinker 94, 96, uh, looked like a 12 to six curveball, 85, 86, and a, uh, you know, often buries it down kind of in the zone. And then an 80 to 82 changeup. Um, 
he, you know, again, looked, looked pretty, uh, dominant, just went through, uh, 37 pitches in those, in those two innings. And it looks like since then I'm looking at the game logs here. There's, there's, uh, Somerset is the double a Yankees. I mean, they're, they're slowly building up, uh, his workload, um, from, from there, uh, even to the, even to the extent that just last week he, he completed his first kind of, uh, five inning games. Um, and you know, he's continuing to get tons of strikeouts. Um, as I saw too, in that game, um, in, you know, combined between double a Tulsa and, uh, double a Somerset has 129 strikeouts in 77 innings. Now his ERA is, uh, four, five, six, and he's, you know, been starting most of those games. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting profile. Again, it seems, it seems to me to sort of lean reliever and obviously the swing and miss stuff would be great there. Um, I am kind of, I am kind of surprised that he, that the Yankees continued to kind of uh, build him up and treat him as a starter. So maybe I'll be, (laughs) you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong uh, on this one, but uh, he's certainly, he's certainly interesting there and being a double a, you know, uh, as a lot of these double A guys are, as you know, Chris, you know, they're not far away, not far yeah. away from the show from there. Yeah, I I um, have been somebody who's been interested in Beater for a while. Um, and again, he's uh, he's a guy that maybe the Yankees are just trying to get him uh, to repeat that delivery. Maybe that's the reason why they're, uh, you know, getting him to go longer in games and stuff. Uh, he's yeah. been much more successful in the Yankees organization. So I wonder if there's been a tweak or something. I mean, uh, neither of us saw him with the Dodgers, so uh, right. we can't really speak on that. Um, but but I wonder if uh, when more news or talking to contacts, since I have the Yankees organization, maybe maybe something will, will crop up. But um, uh, he was actually featured in an article that was written by one of our newest writers, uh, Doug Otto, about low-contact double-A batters and pitchers. Hmm. Um, and he's a guy that gives uh, one of the lowest amounts of contact of all pitchers in the double A level. So um, we're, we're talking about a guy that if he throws just a little more strikes um, could possibly be a dominant uh, reliever. I, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't believe it's starting pitching um, caliber just because he can't seem to repeat uh, his delivery or his pitches or whatever it is. Um, so, um, thank you for that report. That was uh, that was sure. a guy that I was interested in, and we actually had cut him from another art, uh, episode because we had too many people to cover that day. So perfect, perfect for us today. We are emptying the notebook, as you say. Yes, we are. And the next guy that I have is a perfect example of somebody who got lost in my notebook, and that's uh, ah, Justin Henry Malloy of the Braves. He's a uh, Actually, was when I saw him a third base prospect, but now he's an outfield prospect, um, uh, and and you could just imagine why he's no longer a third base prospect because he wasn't necessarily working out at third base. Um, uh, mm-hmm. He was a kid that was drafted in the sixth round of the 2021 draft out of Vanderbilt, um, and, and we talked about uh, on the episode with um, with. Uh, Jeff Ponce, the one that uh, most recent one when Brent missed. And, and we've also talked about this when we talked about Von Grisham earlier this season, too, uh, that the Braves tend, tend to have a type right now. And that's these guys that don't chase out of the zone, uh, make above average to above average contact rates, and uh, hits, hit the ball consistently hard. Maybe their max uh, uh, exit velocities aren't necessarily high. Um, but uh, Justin Henry Malloy, just like Michael Harris the uh, second, and also Vaughn Grissom's a guy that fits these uh, these little places. Um, he's a right-handed hitter. Um, uh, he was at Vanderbilt, and then he moved to Georgia Tech. I think I said he was uh, drafted out of Vanderbilt, but um, I actually saw him at Vanderbilt. So um, you know, the, all these transfers get, get you confused. Um, but he but he was drafted out of Georgia Tech after very solid. Uh, junior season there um he doesn't like it, it's really crazy doesn't really look comfortable in his batting staff but stance but it does it works he's kind of hunched over a bit um in a, in a crouch uh 
uh, it's closed off, uh, the, the, or it's not necessarily closed off, it's slight open, but he ends up closed off. Um, and uh, he has wiggle with his hands, uh, low, very uh, low hands, uh, and it's a very slight trigger. Um, and I think that's what really gets him into the hit position. It, it's kind of funny, like it's it's such an unorthodox swing these days. It's something that you've seen, maybe seen back in maybe 30 years ago, but it just doesn't necessarily look the most comfortable, but it, it's working for him. Um, he has a very linear swing. Uh, so he's six foot three, 212 pounds. He's a guy that looks the part of a potential power hitter. He's just not getting to that power. And again, as I said, he doesn't really get to the high max uh, exit velocities like like uh, Von Grisham wasn't really getting to them, uh, you know, when he was in the minor leagues as well. Uh, but this is a guy that will probably have some power to unlock, just like Grisham, because of his size and um, you know maybe some swing mechanic changes. Uh, but again, just an absolute great understanding of the zone and double A. Um, yeah, let me go back to high A when I scouted him. Uh, I had a game where I don't think he uh, uh, chased uh, maybe about three or four games in a row. Uh, they, the Rome Braves early in the year was such a good barometer uh, against pitching uh, because they had a bunch of these guys that um, just battled, didn't didn't uh, overswing, didn't didn't swing at balls. Uh, um, but Grissom and Malloy were really the only standouts as as potential prospects. And I think the reason why Malloy got lost was because I didn't know where to put him. So uh, a guy that's in the Arizona Fall League this year um, and in double A, he had like a less than 15 percent chase rate in his time. So like we're talking about a guy that, you know, walks the walk, uh, even in double A um, as the pitching got better, like. He's somebody that would probably come up on on uh, a process report like the one that Jeff Ponce uh, uh, was talking about during the podcast. Um, and uh, he's going to be working exclusively out of left field uh, from talking to people in the Braves organization. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see if he can transition there. I think that's really his only chance. Um, and I also think that, uh, you know, being a right handed batter, he's probably going to be more of a, you know, if the power doesn't come, it's probably more of a of a platoon type outcome where he gets to face left handed pitching. So, um, you know, not necessarily a guy that I'm super high on, but he's definitely a major league bat and definitely a guy that uh, should get more than just a cup of coffee. Um, and that's pretty good for a sixth rounder from last year. Um, and again, you know, could be more um, if if uh, everything uh, kind of works out for him. Yeah. Sounds uh, sounds interesting. I'll, I'm going to move on to also to a uh, an outfielder. Um, got uh, again just a just a short look at uh, Judd Fabian, uh, outfielder again in the Baltimore system, and one of these guys that uh, has moved up quickly. College draftee, uh, actually in 2021 uh, was a second round pick of the Red Sox, uh, who didn't sign. Um, went back to school for his senior year, and Baltimore picked him uh, up in the second round uh, this year. Um, I, I hadn't, other than the name, hadn't had a, a ton of uh, background or familiarity with Fabian. And again, just this one game um, at the at the plate, he worked some counts. Um, you know, did swing and miss on a couple. Uh, middle middle fastballs, but then later on took a two two breaking pitch kind of outer half uh, and drove it into the opposite field for a single. Um, he really, you know, showed that he was ready for low A. He destroyed kind of the level there at Delmarva, but since he moved up to to uh, the couple of weeks that he's been up at at high A, has not had much success there. I think the one um, the one thing. That stood out. The one notable thing to me is uh, his defense actually in center field. He was uh, playing center field um, and in back to back innings made two just fantastic uh, highlight level catches, catch a couple plays. Um, one was on a ball that was hit right at him, kind of a, kind of a, uh, you know, kind of straight on the center field uh, where he had to come in. Um, it was obvious that the, you know, it was, it was, it was up there a little bit, but the shortstop and uh, second baseman both pretty much thought it was going to drop. And uh, Fabian came in, dot, you know, dove and, and took it right off the carpet for an out. Um, 
for for the first play, and then the and in the inning later, um, a player put a uh, you know a really hard hit ball uh, to the right center field gap that he got a great jump on, um, fully laid out uh, and made another spectacular play uh, in right center. Again, you, Chris, you would know more from than than I kind of what his defensive reputation is. Um, but having those, you know, having those two plays kind of uh, one inning after the other uh, definitely was something that stood out to me. Um, and while, you know, it, the, the bat to me looks like it has some uh, potential, but certainly has, uh, you know, some development ahead of it, uh, the fact of, you know, that he could be a uh, good defender is certainly uh, something to note. Yeah, he sticks in center field. He's a guy that uh, might be above average uh, at best run tool, uh, but he gets excellent instincts, as you say, as you said. And he also is a guy that takes great routes to the ball. And that's something that's been true with him uh, since he's come to Florida. Um, you know, just to note, this was a kid that was under top five overall pick consideration at the beginning of the 2021 draft season. Like people thought that this was going to be the next step that he was taking. Um, him and the Red Sox didn't come to an agreement uh, after he kind of fell to the second round, which was appropriate uh, because he had a lot of swing miss last year. And he's kind of cut that down, uh, at least in um, college looks this year. He's cut down his swing a, a bit, um, but it's just not as electric. His, his swing's just not as electric as it looked like it was about to really pop in the 2020 season. Uh, he really looked like he was on the verge of having a true breakout and uh, the pandemic kind of, kind of took him back a bit. Um, so um, great yeah. get there. Um, and somebody that uh, will obviously uh, continue to look at um, the final guy that we have today is a guy that actually was somebody that I, you know, um, Meant to bring to another episode. I think it was the episode where we talked uh, about Kyle Manzardo. Uh, but um, his name is Brett Wisely. And he was a guy that uh, I've never really uh, had any feel for prior to this season. Uh, he was a 15th round pick in the 2019 draft out of uh, Gulf Coast Community College. Um, and, you know, not necessarily a league where we're getting a lot of guys out of, although that <laughs> uh, the community college in, um, uh, down there, one of them produced this year a first-round pick, but Camp Collier doesn't count, guys. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is a guy that, you know, had a very productive 2021 season, uh, split between A-ball and A-plus, um, and it was somebody that I never really, again, had a feel for. And this year, I got to see him with Montgomery. He's, uh, I think he since got called up to dorm. I don't know if he's back in. Yeah, he's in dorm. Um, yeah. And and this year in Double uh, A uh, was two seventy four, three seventy one, four sixty. That's an eight thirty one uh, OPS with fifteen home runs. Um, this guy's a contact dude. He struck. He also stole thirty one bases. Uh, I didn't have him as a plus runner, um, and I, I got some really good swings from him. It's a, a solid contact, good idea of the zone. Uh, not we're not talking about um, Malloy um, swing, you know, um, uh, control of the zone, but a guy that has average control of the zone. Um, slight open upright uh, stance. Uh, he has shorter limbs, and it's very easy mechanics with a very slight trigger and a. Had a pretty decent leg lift. Um, it's a very line drive trajectory swing, and he will uh, essentially um, shoot gaps. Uh, that's essentially what he did most of the year. Also, he blew the hit to left field. He, he, he power up to right field. I mean, this is a guy that has some power, but it's mostly all of the pull side, even though the first, uh, when I was just going to review him, the first swing that I saw was a ground rule double the op opposite way that he almost hit out. But that's not the type of hitter he is. Um, Wisely's a guy that, again, and we said this earlier this year when we were covering other Rays prospects, uh, you just never know how these guys fit in the major leagues. But let me just paint a picture. This is a guy that um, probably fits on many teams. Uh, while there's some guys that just kind of fit as fantasy producers on the Rays, uh, this is a kid again, left-handed batter, so he's going to be on the right on the on the good side of the platoon. 
And then secondly, he has some versatility. I saw him at third base. Maybe the arm doesn't work there. Um, I've had contacts who've seen him at shortstop, and the range doesn't necessarily work there, and the arm doesn't necessarily work there. But again, he's good enough at second base, and you know, I saw him, you know, turn to double play, strong enough arm to pull, turn to double play, um, and has the offensive upside that would be a decent, decent uh, bat at that. Maybe a lesser, you know, maybe a lesser Jeff McNeil if you really want to kind of look at it with the mm. with the maybe a little bit more on base percentage, maybe not as uh, wild as, but but a similar type production um, that you would expect of. From a McNeil, maybe maybe like the same on base percentage, but you know um, yeah. McNeil's is all batting average. Where there's some uh, on base percentage with uh, with Wisely getting up there, so kind of an under under the radar guy that uh, Rays yeah. always seemingly have. And, yeah. and you know, a few years ago, um, you know that some of these guys that are currently in the major leagues were guys that we talked about in the same fashion as we we're talking about Wisely and. And again, this is a guy that uh, probably fits on many teams, not just the Rays as a fantasy fantasy guy. Yeah. So, um, you know, a guy to keep good tabs on. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good get. That's a good get, especially as we're looking. I mean, as we're just looking through his uh, through his stat line and stuff. There's a lot of uh, a lot of things to like there. But yes, we. Uh, I, 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 Brent, I wrote a preliminary uh raise uh, organization top 15 the other night um oh, no. when i couldn't sleep <laughs> and uh-huh. i'm just gonna say that wisely actually made my initial top 15 uh yeah. so uh, a guy and i was like i can't believe i didn't bring him to the pod that day um but yeah um but yeah i, I wanted You're... to talk about manzardo i mean uh yeah. god i have a crush on him so yeah, no, um, we know, we know, yeah, and uh, and yeah. and you know, you you made right with wisely bringing him today in our uh, in our final episode here of the year. So uh, yep. it's uh, fun going through two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve guys, uh, yes, or ten, ten guys, excuse me, uh, uh, going through those rapid fire like that, and uh, yeah, it's fun bringing that bringing that uh, for the listeners. Yes. Well, anyway. Um, we don't really have a what's on tap, so let's just get to the conclusion. See us at first pitch, of course. That's what's on tap. So um, thank you all for joining us on this week's Eyes Have It podcast. We will have one more podcast during this calendar year at some point around Thanksgiving. Uh, until then, our archive is available to listen to. As always, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of the Eyes Have It podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You could ask us questions at the Eyes Have It at BaseballHQ.com, or reach out to us on Twitter. Brent is at BrentHQ, and you can reach me at C underscore Blessing. Uh, first time listening to our pod, uh, please just be patient with us. Uh, regular season's over. We're uh, at the ballpark type group, so we won't have a podcast till November. But stick with us. Subscribe. Um, spread the word about us, too. That's always good. Um Till November, have an excellent fall and see everybody at First Pitch Arizona. Brent, it was another great season. Thank you again for the opportunity to co-host this show with you. Of course. Yep. Looking forward to it. And for any listeners uh, that are going to be at First Pitch Arizona, please uh, come up and find Chris and I and uh, tell us that you uh, listen to the pod and hopefully enjoy it. So until then, uh, see you in November.